All right, so justice, justice. That's what we're going to be looking at this morning. The church is called to justice. Uh, now, there are lots of things that can come to mind when you hear this concept of justice. Um, the church is called to justice. On the one hand, uh, maybe some of you, when you hear this word justice, you think of the term social justice, which is uh, largely an unhelpful term uh, because of the political you know, sort of uh, things in the background there with, with that term. Uh, but generally, social justice is you know, feeding the poor, helping the needy. Uh, but maybe some of you, when you hear this word justice, another thing comes to mind, and I'll be honest, this is what came, came to mind. When I started thinking about justice, the only thing that came to mind is a Western American. What comes to mind? Criminal justice. And uh, specifically, uh, for some reason, when I first started studying for this sermon, Matlock kept on coming to mind. Raise your hand if you've ever seen the show Matlock. Anybody? It's the sequel to Andy Griffith. Uh, I wish, I think. <laughs> I don't actually know that. But Matlock, what is, who's Matlock? He's a defense lawyer. He's, he's, in his, he's, in his, he's very old now. And so he started this private practice as a defense lawyer. And uh, each and every show, he, he finds somebody that is, uh, every time he finds somebody that is innocent. I don't even know how that's possible. But every, every time he defends somebody as a lawyer who's innocent. And he doesn't just defend them, he finds the guilty party. And I love that show as a kid because every single show, you can count on Matlock solving the case. He gets justice, Okay. <laughs> And we love this. We love justice. I mean, just look at all the shows. Look at all the shows that we watch. I mean, how many law and orders are there now? Like 30, you know? I mean, there's so many law and orders. Why do we like that, that show, you know? Uh, it's because we love to see the criminal get justice. We like to see the victim vindicated, okay? Uh, we're obsessed with justice as Americans. And rightly so. Justice is a good thing. Um, and, and it's seen all throughout the shows. You know, uh, just last year, uh, my wife and I listened uh, through, through a podcast called Serial. Raise your hand if you've, if you've listened to that. Serial, the podcast. All two of you. Awesome. You're with me. Uh, but it's, it's this podcast. Go look it up when you get home. Uh, and it's, it's, a, it's a podcast by this uh, journalist named Sarah Koenig. And we decided to listen to this because uh, every year around Thanksgiving, Christmas, we drive about 10 hours to go visit in-laws somewhere in the United States. And our children, fortunately, have DVD players. They can just watch movies all the time. You know, I have to watch the road, you know. <laughs> it's, it's not fun. So we, we decided to try this, this podcast called Serial. And Sarah Koenig, uh, she has several seasons of it. She looks into cases that have uh, e uh, either people are calling unjust or unsolved, and she tries to solve them. And she literally becomes obsessed with them. And, uh, you know, my favorite is, is the first season. Uh, it's, it's about this, this man named Adnan. And Adnan, when he was 16, was sent to prison for life for killing his high school girlfriend. Um, and he's, 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 uh, he's been in, in jail for you know, upwards of 15 years now, and he, and, he, and he swears that he did not do this. And so Sarah Koenig goes through all of the files and tries to find out uh, if he did it or not. And so we're listening to this. It's, it's 10, 20 hours long, so we listen on the way there. And then finally on the way back, you know, we're about five halfway through our drive, and, and she ends the podcast, and she doesn't solve it, okay? She gives like two or three, uh, 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 you know, things that it could be. It could be him. It could be this serial killer that was loose at the time. It could be somebody else. She doesn't solve it. Meanwhile, I have five more hours in my drive, you know? It's like, what am I going to do with my time? Well, I'm going to try to solve the case, okay? And so I get on Google, and I'm Googling because, you know, Google's good for anything nowadays, you know? But of course, I couldn't, I couldn't solve it. But that's how we are, though. We're obsessed with justice. We are obsessed with finding out who done it. Uh, 
And, uh, you know, we find throughout the entire Bible that God is just as obsessed with justice as we are. All throughout the Bible, he tells his people, not just Israel, but all the way into the New Testament, to seek justice. Uh, for instance, in Isaiah, uh, in Isaiah 1, God tells Israel to learn to do right, seek justice. Proverbs 21, uh, 29 rather, says that the godly man is the one who seeks after justice. And then when you get into the New Testament, uh, Jesus himself rebukes the Pharisees over and over again. And we see in, in, in Luke 11, one of the things that he rebukes them for is for uh, focusing on the smaller things of the law, but neglecting things like justice and the, and, and the love of God. So all over the place, God himself is concerned with justice. He's, he's totally obsessed with justice. Uh, but what I want us to notice this morning is that our notion of justice and God's notion of justice are two uh, different things. And, you know, as we'll see, they're not totally unlike one another, but they are notably different. And if we're called to justice, uh, we have to understand what God has in mind when he calls us to it. In other words, we have to have the mind of Christ uh, to seek after true biblical justice. And so that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. We're going to be looking at three uh, different questions this morning uh, in our, in our uh, uh, search for justice. I like that. In our search for justice. Anyways, uh, first of all, what is justice? What is God's concept of justice? Second of all, why is it important? And then lastly, how can we be just? So what is it? Why is it important? And then how can we uh, do justice? All right? So let's go into our first, our first question, which is what is God's own uh, mind about justice? What is his own definition? And this is an important question because right here in, in verse 17 of Deuteronomy 24, God commands his people, Israel, he says, you shall not pervert justice. Well, if we're called not to pervert it, we have to understand what God means by justice. Uh, so very quickly, I just want to go through uh, uh, the Old, Old Testament conception of justice. There are two words commonly used in the Old Testament for justice. I want you guys to say this with me. The first one is mishpat. So everybody say that, mishpat. And uh, the, the second one is uh, zadak. There we go. So mishpat is, is uh, just the general concept of justice. And then zadak is uh, the personal quality of justice. So if we say that Joe is a, is a just man or God is a just God, we're saying that God has Zadok. Um, uh, mishpat is, is, is the word that God uses here in, in verse 17. And the definition of, of justice uh, of these two words is very simply to give what is due. To give what is due, or to say it another way, a person who is just will treat people fairly. Uh, they will relate to others fairly. They will give to others their due. Right? Now, now, at first glance, uh, you know, this definition sounds very similar to our notions of justice. But I just, I just want you to think, whenever we, we think of giving someone their due, you know, just put yourself in, in law and order criminal justice unit. Right? Is that what it is? Criminal, anyways, just put yourself in a, in a, in a law and order episode. When, when the police want to give someone their due, what are they usually thinking of? Well, they're thinking of locking someone up. They're thinking of the negative consequences due to their evil, right? And that's what we usually think of when we think of giving someone justice. We think about it in terms of retribution. We think about it in terms of payback, right? Uh, if you steal someone, what is your due? Well, you have to pay them back or you have to give back what you stole. 
If you murder someone, what is your due? You go to jail for it. Right? If, if, if you speed and you get pulled over, what is your due? A speeding ticket. That's what we usually think of when we think of justice. You know, just the other day, I was, I was driving back from, uh, from Little Rock. I was picking up my mom from the airport, and there's this turn off the highway onto 67. Uh, most of you probably know this. There's, you, you turn back onto 67, and there's two speeds that are just right by one another that should not be near one another. <laughs> there's, you, you have to go 40 miles an hour, and then in, in the split of a second, it jumps to what? Does anybody know? 60. <laughs> so for, for this, and and there's, no, there's no gap in between. So you're going 40, and then you're supposed to go 60, and I, 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 I don't understand why. But what I usually do when I get off the highway, I get on the 67, and I just do a, a gradual, progressive speeding up. <laughs> you know, I, I see it as, a, you know, it's, it's just this little window where I can speed up to 60. Well, I got pulled over <laughs> doing 57 and 40, and uh, I was right. I saw the 60 mile an hour. I was almost there, but I got pulled over anyways. The cop pulled me over, and he said, do you know how fast you're going? I'm so sorry. I, I thought it was 60. I got confused. I'm sorry. And he's like, okay. Well, and, you know, he checks my plates. You know, there's, no, there's no other charges or anything. So he gives me a warning and a fine, <laughs> which I was grateful for, although it was a very large fine. Uh, but in my mind, I was like, man, thank God I didn't get my due, right? Which is a speeding ticket, okay? That's justice in our mind. Justice is what our due is when we do something wrong. Um, I remember there was this, this other time when Andrew and I, my wife, we went to uh, a coffee shop. But we, we go there on, on several occasions when we're out of town. Well, there was, there, was several, there, was, there was a few times when we went to this coffee shop, like right in a row, where the employees would take an order, they would take our money, and they would give us back only a little bit of our change. <laughs> and it's like, you know, if this happens one time, that's not bad. But if this happens four times in a row, something is up. And the very last time, I remember very distinctly, it was like $1.50 that I was due or that, that the change was, and she gave me 50 cents. And I, and I go, hey, where's my dollar? <laughs> and her face gets all red, and she's like, oh. Um, and I said, you're not trying to take my dollar, are you? No, 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 no. <laughs> she got all flustered, and, and she didn't even apologize. She got upset and mad about it. And I was like, well, can you give me my dollar? And she started pouting. And I was like, she's doing this on purpose, you know. So I call the corporate office, and the corporate office is profusely apologetic, and they go, you know, what can we do for you? How about this? How about we give you a $5 gift card? I'm like, well, I'll take that. But you know what else I want? <laughs> you know? I want that employee to be fired, you know? And I want the manager to be fired. You know, this is how we conceive of justice, right? We conceive of it as an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, of retribution, of the negative consequences of evil. But look at how God defines justice. It is giving someone their due. But look at verse 17. Look at how, he, how, how he, uh, he defines justice, rather. Verse 17, you shall not pervert justice, do, not to the criminal, not to the evildoer, right? Do to the sojourner, do to the fatherless, do to the widow. And then you can uh, jump down to verse 19. When you reap your harvest in your field and forget a sheaf in the field, you shall not go back and get it. It is for the sojourner, the fatherless, the widow, that the Lord God may bless you. How does God conceive of justice? It is not negative punishment. It is not retribution. It is providing for those in need. And you can think of it like this. Justice in God's mind is not retributive. It's restorative. Justice in God's mind is providing for those who are in need. And notice what God says, it's their due. In other words, it is principally unjust 
not to provide for the orphan. It is principally unjust to let the widow go uncared for. It is unjust for the sojourner not to find a home. God says that is how you prefer justice. And this is what is due to them. To the fatherless, they need a father. To the widow, they need someone uh, to care for them. For the sojourner, they need someplace to stay. God says that is what justice is. This is the measure of my justice. This is what uh, Tim Keller from his book, uh, Generous Justice, this is what he says. He says, the justness of a society, according to the Bible, is evaluated by how it treats those in need. Any neglect shown to the needs of others is not called merely a lack of mercy or lack of charity, but a violation of justice. God loves and defends those with the least economic and social power, and so should we. That is what it means to do justice. So in other words, God's justice is not simply negative. It does involve that, and we'll look at that in a second. But it is positive. It is restorative. It is providing for those in need, and it is unjust in his mind not to provide for them. We have to redefine our notions of justice in order to have God's definitions of justice. And we can go ahead and move to the second point here. Why is this so important? Over and over again in the Old Testament, God tells his people to do this, to do justice to the sojourner, to the orphan, to the widow, to those in need, over and over. It's, it's, It's not simply in one text. It is literally all throughout the Old Testament. It is something that is always on God's mind and something that is always Uh, something that uh, his people should be doing. Why is it so important to God? Well, God gives Israel the reason. If you look here in uh, verse 18, why should you do this for the sojourner and the fatherless and the widow? Verse 18, you shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you from there. Therefore, I command you to do this. And again in verse 22, you shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt Therefore, I command you to do this. Why why provide for those in need? Because that's what God did for you. God is just, and his justice looks like restoring the fortunes of Israel. Because who was Israel? Well, Israel was this small monadic people, fatherless, without a land, without anyone to care for them, enslaved to the people of Egypt. They were an object to be bought and sold, totally uncared for, totally oppressed. No justice for them. And God saw Israel in her need, and he redeemed them. He restored them. He returned the fortunes that were due to them back to them. And what was that restorative act? What was that restorative justice that God gave to Israel? It was the exodus. The Exodus was this great restoration where God took this uh, enslaved people and he freed them. He took a people without a land and he gave them a land. He took a people without a father and he gave himself to them as father. He took a people totally uncared for and he gave them all of his gifts. This is what God is like. God says, I acted justly toward you. Therefore, therefore you do the same for others. See others in their need and act justly to them. What God did in the Exodus was a great act of restoration. It was restorative justice. Now, I'm going to take a a, a big, giant aside because 
because I'm preaching and I can do it. Uh, but but here, here's one question I want to ask, and this is maybe a question that comes up in, you, in your mind. You say, well, yes, God restored the fortunes of Israel. Okay? But what about Pharaoh? What about Egypt? Okay? As I recall, you know, God killed all the firstborn in Egypt. God drowned all of Egypt in the Red Sea. God killed Pharaoh. And what was that? It was retributive justice. It was a punishment from God's hand. God judged Egypt and violently at that. You say, wasn't that an act okay, of retributive justice? Okay? And the short answer is yes. Yes, it was. It was a violent, retributive act of judgment. Okay? But here's a larger question that we have to answer, and this is, this is what I, I want us to understand. Why did God judge Egypt? Why did God do this great act of judgment and of violence and of retribution? You know, when I was a kid, I used to do all sorts of violent and weird things. You know, I used to take the magnifying glass <laughs> and burn ants <laughs> with the sun. And my mom would say, why are you doing that? Because it's fun, you know. I remember there was one time where uh, my friends and I were in, 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 their, in, in uh, their, their backyard and, and on the other side of the fence was this big clean pool and on our side of the fence was a lot of dirt. And we said, hey, let's take some dirt and throw it in the pool. Okay? And we got caught. And my mom said, Lucas, why did you do that? I said, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, just yesterday, my daughters were playing peacefully. And then my youngest daughter went, and my, my older daughter was playing with this dollhouse, and my youngest daughter took the dollhouse, threw it on the floor. <laughs> it took all the toys and just threw it. And I said, Eliza, stop. And she looked at me and smiled. I'm like, man, you are sick, you know. Why did she do that? Well, there's no logic to it. Okay? And in fact, it might have been just to get back at, just to get back at my older daughter for, for not letting her play with her. Why are we violent? It's, it's not out of logic. It's not out of reason. It's not to help anything. And, and in fact, a lot of times it's vindictive. It's to get revenge. Okay? But God's, you know, the, God, all of God's works have purpose to it. God is not random, and God is certainly not vindictive. Okay? And in the case of the Exodus, the entire point of God's destruction of Egypt was for the rescue and, 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 and restoration of Israel. Israel was in bondage. He wants to free them. What is in the way of that freedom? Pharaoh. Okay. We are in bondage to sin. What is in the way from our freedom? Sin. And what did God do in Christ? He destroyed sin. You say that the cross is this great act of violence. Yes, it is. But it is also a great act of restoration. All of God's works have reason and logic to it. Here's what uh, Peter Lighthart says about God's justice. He says, In the setting of public justice, enacting restorative justice must involve removal, correction, or even destruction of whatever inhibits justice. A city cannot be in harmony if looters roam the streets. And forcibly removing looters from the streets is an act of restorative justice principally because it is an act of retributive justice. God punishes Israel's enemies in order to deliver them. Yahweh even punishes Israel to save Israel. Why do you discipline your kids? Well, certainly, I mean, hopefully, it's not because you enjoy it. It's because your kid is, you know, 
acting no good. And you want to get that stuff out of them. You, know, you, want, you want them to, to grow up to be mature and not like a two-year-old. Okay? The reason you discipline them is to get the two-year-old out of them. Right? You want them to grow up to be mature and godly and responsible. And God does the same thing. You know, this is even the logic of hell. Hell is not random pain for all of eternity. Michael Byrd has described hell as a cosmic quarantine. God wants a world without sin and evil. What does he have to do? He has to quarantine that sin and evil. He has to get rid of it. All of God's actions, even the actions that seem violent, that make him seem as if he's angry and vindictive, all of those actions have logic and reasoning. He wants, ultimately, to restore the world. You say, well, the exodus does not seem nice, okay? Well, chemotherapy isn't nice either. But that's the only way that cancer is going to get out of your body. You know, the only way, you know, uh, there was uh, uh, that, that hurricane in Houston. My dad, I called my dad and he said they had to go into houses and the water had gone up three or four feet. And there was no way, you know, it's like, oh, that mold is so nice. <laughs> Maybe we can coexist with this mold. <laughs> no, you have to cut out the mold. You have to get rid of it. If you want that house to be rebuilt, you have to cut it out. And so all of God's actions, all of them, are to restore his people, are to restore the universe. He does everything he does out of love, out of an act of pure desire for restoration. So that's why justice is so important to God, because that's who he is. That's the kind of God he is. Now, last of all, how do we become just people. And, you know, as we end, I just want to do, uh, do two things. I want to look at a, a text from Romans 1 and then just end, end with a, an exhortation. But uh, Paul says in, in Romans 1, 16 and 17, he's talking about the gospel, and he says that God's righteousness is displayed in the gospel. And uh, the word that, that Paul uses here is diakosune. And uh, which I believe is, 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 is a derivative of the Hebrew word zadok, but it's, it's usually translated righteousness, but it can also mean justice. And so, uh, uh, and, and in fact, righteousness and justice are actually the same thing. And so it could, it could be said that God's justice is revealed in the gospel. God's justice, Paul says, is revealed in the gospel. Now, what, what does Paul mean by that? Well, I just want to read this quote from Martin Luther, uh, because I think that he gets at it uh, the, you know, better than, better than anyone. You know, when, when Martin Luther read this verse, he conceived of God's justice as retributive, as, as, as something where he, he judges the evildoer. And so we, when he read this verse, he was terrified of God. Uh, but then he, he had this, this insight. And let me just read this, this quote here. He says, I greatly long to understand Paul's epistle to the Romans, and nothing stood in the way but one expression, the righteousness of God. Because I took it to mean that righteousness whereby God is just, and deals justly in punishing the unjust. My situation was that although an impeccable month, I stood before God as a sinner, troubled in conscience, and I had no confidence that my merit would assuage him. Therefore, I did not love a just angry God, but rather hated and murmured against him. <laughs> he opens the book of Romans and he says, God's justice, whereby he hates and punishes the evildoer. You say, man, I don't want to read anymore, right? He says, I, I, I murmured against this God. But here, here's, here's what Luther says. But then I grasped that the righteousness of God or the justice of God 
is that righteousness by which through grace and mercy he justifies us through faith. Thereupon I felt myself to be reborn and to have gone through the doors into paradise. The whole of scripture took on a new meaning. What is Luther saying? He's saying God's justice is not his vindictive, retributive, punishing justice. It is his gracious, restoring, saving justice. And God has come in Christ Jesus. He has brought his justice. He has brought his righteousness not to destroy us, right, which is what is really our due, but to save us. God has come in the justice of Christ Jesus to restore us just like Israel. And what that means is that, at least in Paul's mind, we are outcasts. We are sojourners. We are the fatherless. We are the ones without hope in the world. We are sinners in need of God's saving justice. And God has done that in Christ Jesus. He has come into the midst of our situation and restored us and made us new. And God saw that it's principally unjust to leave us in our sin. Right? This is what Paul's trying to say. Which means that we are the objects of God's saving justice. And here, here's what I just want to say. It is not until we experience God's saving justice that we can give justice to others. Because until we uh, experience God's restorative justice, the only justice we know is retributive. The only justice we know is that's not fair. That criminal needs to go to jail. The only justice we know is the negative consequences of sin. But until we experience Christ in all of his restoring power, then we can turn and give that restoring power to others. And so I just want to end with this, with this challenge here. And I realize I haven't really had an application until now. <laughs> But, but first, I, I just want all of us to flip our conceptions of justice. Flip it around. Instead of seeing the evil in the world, instead of seeing punishment and, 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 and the negative consequences of sin, see restoration, see the need, and gain a new vision for Batesville. Uh, gain a vision to see where uh, justice is being perverted, where there is need, where there are the fatherless and the sojourners and the widowed, and where we need to come in and enact God's saving justice. And, you know, uh, we, we try our best at it. You know, we, we, we have uh, our Father's Table. We do our, uh, Operation Christmas Child. But we want more. We want you to do it in your small groups. We want you to do it with your friends. And we want you to bring your ideas. We want justice not to be perverted. We want it to be enacted uh, in the city. So bring your ideas. Gain a vision for Batesville. And, and bring the restorative justice of God to this town. Let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, that your justice is not simply retributive, it is restoring. It comes into the, the midst of our mess. It comes into the midst of our sin. It comes into the midst of our brokenness and it makes us new. It acquits us. It forgives us. It brings us into God's very own life. Help us to see Christ as that gift that is the restorative justice of God. And help us, Father, to be those who go out and bring restoration to this city. <clears throat> and we pray this in Christ's name.